Hello and welcome to Wattcast. My name is Roger Watson and these podcasts are dedicated to readings of various articles that I've had published in newspapers and magazines. They reflect my views on politics, the pandemic and current affairs. Thank you very much for listening. The Edinburgh Tattoo. This is my column for Country Squire magazine of the 5th of September 2023. I've been to many Edinburgh military tattoos. It became royal in 2010. Over the years since my childhood, during my own military service when I took part and subsequently when I continued to live in Edinburgh, I went regularly. I'd not been back for nearly 25 years, but my youngest son, who's a regular, persuaded me to attend this year. As we made our way up to the castle esplanade, I was only thinking one thing, which was surely they cannot spoil the tattoo, they being the massed ranks of the woke brigade whose representatives on earth make up a large proportion of the Scottish Parliament. Conclusion, I think they succeeded. The tattoo usually has a theme often loosely adhered to, but at least comprehensible, historic and often martial. This year's stories was the theme, and we were promised the show will be a celebration of saga, myths and legends, transporting audiences on a journey of ideas from the earliest campfire stories through to the world stage. The theme may well have been stamp collectors of Papua New Guinea for all the sense the stories made. There was much projection of a light show on the castle wall of images and colours which made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Attending with us was my son's father-in-law, also a former military man and tattoo veteran. As a member of the military police, he once had the privilege of arresting and locking up the lone piper who was so drunk he was likely to tumble from the battlements. His understudy played that night. We both recalled seeing a history of Scotland with a massive Viking boat whizzing down the esplanade. I recall actual soldiers throwing smoke grenades, firing blanks and playing dead as they reenacted taking a military position. When I took part in 1991, a group of us officers, all First Gulf War veterans, ran onto the esplanade, paid our compliments to the guest of honour, and we were warned that if we did not skedaddle as soon as our arm had made the short way down to our sides, that we would be squashed by the desert, camouflaged armoured personnel carriers, which were going to come down behind us at full speed. We were both there in 1993, when the seven regimental bands of the Highland Division marched together for the last time as a mass band, before disbanding and merging into the two new regimental bands, Lowland and Highland. That was the last appearance of the Gordon Highlanders, my grandfather's regiment, 6th Battalion, in the Great War. I watched with tears flowing down my cheeks and recall the boos when the compere announced their demise. I defy you to watch it and not be deeply moved. You can find it on YouTube. This year the organisers mustered a sizeable pipe band, but in addition to a handful of military pipers, it was augmented by pipers from across the world, including many geriatrics at one end of the age spectrum and young kids at the other. It sounded good, but the military element was played down, and it was as it was elsewhere in the evening. There were other military bands, including the Royal Marines and the Swiss and Norwegian bands who were entertaining. These were augmented by the US Air Force Band and the Trinidad and Tobago Defence Force Steel Orchestra. The US Air Force Band seemed a great deal more enthusiastic about their time on the Esplanade than the crowd, and likewise the Trinidad and Tobago Defence Force. I was heartened to see that the RAF were on display, as they inexplicably are the best at parade ground drill. The RAF regiment are a joy to watch, and this year we were entertained by the King's Colour Squadron, Royal Air Force. They were excellent, with perfect timing and impossible-looking crossovers and reformations. Disappointingly, they did not do what I consider to be their trademark synchronised firing, 
which always occurs at an unexpected point and always makes people jump. I guess we're now afraid to make people jump. Maybe health and safety said no. There were the usual dancers, but these danced to pre-recorded music and not as they have in the past to any of the bands. They were excellent, but there was none of the traditional sword dancing, and there's only so much circling and weaving a man can watch. I guess we don't want to see swords these days. Then the electro-pipers. This multicoloured conglomeration of pipers, guitarists, fiddlers and drummers accompanied by dancers was truly dreadful. For a taste of what to expect, check them out yourself on YouTube. If I tell you the drums were playing before the drummer got to them, you might suspect, as I did, that a backing tape was being employed. I'm glad to say that the lone piper was flawless, but whereas previous tattoos, up to and including the 2022 one, would end with Scots Breathe There a Man, leading into Scotland the Brave, which conjures up the kind of Scottishness which nationalist and unionists can happily share, there was nothing. Finally, and possibly a foretaste of things to come, we were invited to stand, if we were able, for the national anthem. Embarrassingly few sang God Save the King. My son confirmed that in the past few years God Save the Queen had been belted out with gusto. I don't recall my first Edinburgh military tattoo, but I well recall my final one. I just attended it. This podcast was produced in association with youpublicationslimited.com.